Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, we're continuing this series as we've walked through the Bible. And we're coming to an end, looking into March, we're going to be concluding in the book of Revelation. But we wanted to look at the highlights of what is the whole story of God from beginning to end. As you've heard me say often, so many people, they isolate events and then make doctrine out of those one events and they miss the heart of God. They miss what God is doing, what he's saying, what he's inviting us into. We, We also miss our position as followers of Jesus, as children of God. And so today we are going to be in the book of Galatians and I'm going to be leaning in on one verse because I believe God was really speaking to me about us, about what he wants to say to us in this season and in this time. And here's the reality as we, as you look at the verse, which, which I'm just going to read right away. The scripture says this, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Now, the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to people who were wanting to return to the law. They were wanting to return to um, living under the law, living under the rules that, that, are, that God doesn't call you to live under them. Anyway, you can't gain righteousness because of the acts of your flesh. And so he was telling them, no, no, you can't do that. It is only through Christ that, that you can be saved and that you can actually, you can be righteous. But what Paul says here is this, since we live by the Spirit, meaning since we've been made alive by the Spirit of Christ, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now here's the truth. We have been made alive by Christ. Before Jesus, there was another Spirit at work in us, and we'll look at that in just a moment. But we receive the Spirit of Christ through our faith in Jesus Christ. We receive that Holy Spirit that was a guarantee of our salvation when we put our faith in Christ. Now, this, what this says is since we live by the Spirit, we should keep in step with the Spirit. So when you look at that, there's, a, there's some realities there that you can be saved, you can go to heaven, but the steps of your life can not be in step with the spirit. So I'm talking about today, the influencers of your steps. Because if the enemy can't keep you from being saved, he will keep you out of step with the spirit. Now, God has a purpose and plan for your life. God has a calling on your life. God has some supernatural things he wants to do through your life. But those things are found when you keep in step with the Spirit. And we live in a world where there are lots of voices influencing your steps. There, on social, there are people who are called influencers. And what that means is they have a large audience that people look to them to influence them. What to wear, what style, what's, what's the trendiest thing. And so they're called influencers because they influence the behavior and the actions of those who follow them and those who are influenced by them. So we, though we are saved, we live by the Spirit. We've been saved by the Spirit. We're alive because of the Spirit. We also there is this interaction that we are to also keep in step with the Spirit. Say, keep in step. So this is so vital for us to be led of the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. But if we don't understand that there are influencers trying to influence your steps, we're going to be at a disadvantage And so as we step with the Spirit, if we don't realize that there are influencers trying to influence your step, then we actually are going to miss some things. So I want to share with you today some these these ideas that our steps can be led by things other than the Spirit. The truth is you are saved 
once you gave your life to Jesus, as his spirit dwelt in you, you also obtained the authority over the works of darkness. You obtained the authority over the devil. You obtained authority over whatever spiritual thing outside of God is happening. You as a believer hold within yourself the authority to take authority over that demonic force, spirit, whatever it may be. You need to understand that. So if, if we, by the influence on our steps, if we don't walk on this, in the steps of the spirit, then we are not waging war on the things of darkness in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our city as we should. And here's, here's, here's the truth of this. I just want to get straight to this. One of the main influencers on, of our steps is this, and I want to talk to you about this today, is the culture of the God of this world. One of the main influencers that keeps us from walking in step with the Spirit is the culture of the God of this world. Ephesians 2 says this, speaking about those who didn't know Jesus, so Paul is writing to believers, you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Now listen, we need to understand, we live in a world that, that sits, the best way to say it is the world itself sits in the lap of the devil. The world sits in the lap of Satan. That the world, though yes, God has authority and he's placed this on the world to, to bring forth his kingdom. The world is actually controlled by the prince or the power of the air, which is also called in scripture, he's called the God of this age. So the spirit, now look at this, that spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Sons just meaning of the humanity of disobedience. So there is an active work of the devil through humanity that his spirit is working through to accomplish something. to accomplish something. So here's, here's the reality. So the devil himself does not personally shape culture. What he does is he uses the humanity of disobedience that his spirit works through, which we just see, to cultivate a culture for the purpose of influencing our lives. And that culture that he cultivates it's for the purpose of not only deceiving mankind, but it's also to deceive humanity and to influence our steps. On if we keep in step with the spirit, which is God's spirit, or if believers keep in step with the spirit of the prince of this age. Because the spirit of God is working in the sons of disobedience, just like the spirit of Christ is working in the sons and daughters of the most high God. So the scripture goes on, that spirit of the enemy is at work in the sons of a disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So by the grace of God, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, his spirit took up residence in you, took up residence inside of you. That spirit lives in you. That spirit has authority over the spirit of the God of this age. And so what that means is as you keep in step with the spirit, you are waging war against 
the kingdom of darkness. And as you take authority, you are walking in the kingdom of light. You are, you are propagating, cultivating the culture of God's kingdom on the earth. And just so you know, that's actually our call and our purpose on the earth. So the God of this world, the prince of power of this air is at work through the sons of disobedience. So all of those who are without Christ through their actions, through, now hear me, through the, their agendas, through what's, be, what's being promoted, through what, what is being produced for people to watch, what is on social media, is for the purpose of cultivating, everybody say cultivating. Okay, so, so the purpose of cultivating the culture of the God of this world. See, culture is not an instant thing. I wish, like, you know, it doesn't just boom. Just like baking a cake, it's not like, I want a cake, boom, get a cake. I want tacos, boom, get tacos. You, 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 that doesn't happen. I wish someone would invent a machine like in Star Trek. I used to watch Star Trek. You go over, they're like, so-and-so, give me a taco. They never said that, but in my mind, I, that's what I would ask for. And they would just reach in and eat it, right? It was great. But that's, that's not how things work. There is a preparation. There's a cultivating. There's a process to come to a product, to a finished product. Just like when you farm, I grew up in a farming community, what you do with the field is you first clear the field, you then spray the field, you then plow the field, you then plant the field, you then spray the field again for the purpose of bringing forth the harvest. That's called cultivating. And so there is a God of this age that is cultivating a culture that propagates the culture, the heart, the ideas, the agenda of the enemy. And we live in a world where we as believers, if we are not aware of, of that, this is actually happening, we are cultivated and influenced by that culture. If we are not aware that this is actually happening, and most aren't, most aren't, most are the two extremes. Either they're like, ah, the devil, it doesn't matter. Eh. Or the, the extreme is this, that, that they don't actually see culture as a, as a puppet of the enemy, and yet they fight all this other stuff, and they pray against all this other stuff, but the reality, it's the subtle things that are influencing believers. Now, the other extreme is there's a devil behind everything. Everything. And so, if we're not aware that there is a, um, an active cultivating of culture for the purpose of influencing humanity, and that culture is being cultivated through those who are sons of disobedience, if you're not aware of that, you're gonna, you're gonna be vulnerable. If you're not aware of this, your children are gonna be vulnerable. So what's been true for all of humanity, when you think about humanity, when you think about how, how cultures have actually developed, when you, when you look over the world, that the stories, it's the stories of the narrative of that culture that controls that culture. It's the, it's the stories, it's the narrative, it's the, it's the different accounts that are, that, that are told. Much of the, of the Hebrew culture, it was an oral, it, it was how they communicated their culture. They would, they would talk about, tell stories about what God did. 
And as they told the stories, it, it, it puts, put a belief in their heart about, no, God is the God that's faithful. God is the God who is with us because they told stories. So stories or narrative controls culture. So whoever controls the narrative, who, whoever controls the story that we, we hear and we get all the time, controls the culture. You guys with me? If you don't, if you, if you don't believe me, answer this question. Do people, do people care more about stories or do they care more about facts and truth? It's the story. The story always spreads faster than truth. The story always spreads faster than actual facts. Because, ooh, it's a story. Oh, really? Did that? Oh, my gosh. We tell a story and we go, wow, it's a story. It must be true. So this, the story, what the story is, is that the more a story is told, the more the narrative is influenced by the sons of disobedience who are cultivating the culture of the God of this age. Now remember, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has a culture. And so his culture is totally different than the sons of disobedience. We proclamate his culture, sons of disobedience proclamate the enemy's culture. But the purpose of the enemy's culture, of the God of this age, is to lead a culture, people, humanity, to the place of a new truth that fits its culture versus God's culture. So this is happening in our world. If, you're, if, you, don't, if you don't understand that, if you don't believe that, Go to Oxford Dictionary and look up the definition that was changed on December, I think, 26th, definition of gender. So it's been changed. The definition says the male sex or the female sex, especially when considered with reference to social and cultural differences rather than biological ones. So little Johnny, when he's five, and he goes through the dictionary, like I'm acting like they, they're going to use books then. And he, as he goes through the dictionary, <laughs> and he looks up gender. Oh, no, it's a, it's a cultural difference. It's a, it's a desire versus biological. And dad goes... Uh, no, Johnny, I don't think so. Um, Dad, the dictionary says that's the way it is. The Webster definition of sex is the behavioral, cultural, or psychological traits typically associated with one's sex. Nothing about biological. So the sons of disobedience who the spirit of the God of this age, the devil, is working through them to cultivate a culture that is contrary to God's culture. The same way the narrative is being changed or truth is being removed through stories of, of, of what's happening in our world through the culture of the God of this age, Here's the truth. It's the same thing that's happening in the definition or in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the same thing that's happening. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. How does he blind them? Does he wave a, a hand and go Jedi blindness? Well, how does he blind them? 
He blinds them through stories and narrative that convinces them they don't need to be forgiven. It's one of the ways. He blinds them through what they've been told, what they read, that they don't actually, they, they don't see the glory of Christ is that he embodied their sins so that they could be saved. They're like, huh, I don't need to be saved. I'm good. But the truth also is this, and this is for us today, that often people miss in the light of the gospel, not, not just that Jesus came to die for us, and to forgive us, and, and we would believe that. It's by his grace and grace alone. It's important we understand that for unbelievers, if people are acting like they don't have faith in Christ, if people are acting like they haven't re been regenerated, if people are acting that way, they don't need behavioral modification. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they need to put their faith in Christ and he gives them a new spirit. They, they no longer, they no longer are controlled or no longer the spirit of, of, of disobedience or the, they're no longer, that, that spirit of the enemy isn't working through them anymore. It's, it has been kicked out and they've been given a brand new spirit and they're regenerated is what, what it's called, regeneration. Then... The next step from there is where we're beginning to see the stories change. And so none of us would disagree, you gotta put your faith in Christ as believers, that you have to put your faith in Christ to be saved. But also where the God of this age blinds believers is in the light of the gospel. After we give our lives to Jesus, what a regenerated life should actually look like. Not that we get it by effort, but by faith, we believe through the grace of God that he will lead us there. So unbelievers are blinded, but believers are blinded in the light of the gospel. And what is the fruit of a regenerated life through a, through a believer? And that area is being impacted and affected by culture, by what we see, what we hear, the stories that we're told. And so the God of this age blinds the unbelievers by using culture, but also the God of this age blinds the minds of believers who are blinded to the reality of the whole gospel. The whole gospel. Everybody say the whole gospel. Meaning this, that our, our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins, yes. Makes us a new creation, yes. Severs us from our old life and our old sins, yes. God puts his spirit in us so we can now, we can now keep in step with the spirit of God. So we are saved as at that, our opening scripture said, you, you, you are alive by the spirit of Christ. Act of grace, amen, thank you, Jesus. But now we need to shift to how do we keep in step with the spirit? How does God's grace in our life want to empower us to keep in step with the spirit? And so as culture and the, is, is the puppet of the God of this age, they are, they are propagating, cultivating the enemy's culture. But that culture is also wanting to cultivate believers to blind you and to influence your steps to keep you from walking in this in the spirit, 
influencing the steps that you don't keep in step with the spirit. So we're living in a spiritual world. We're living within a culture that's been cultivated through the children of disobedience. And the God of this age, is, is his spirit is at work within them to, again, cultivate the culture, to blind unbelievers. But this other side that I want us to, to understand today, that same culture of the God of this age is influencing, wanting to influence your steps. Like one, just one of the strategies of, uh, <clears throat> of the enemy and how, how the stories and the narrative of what we watch, what we see, what we listen to, how it, how it influences us is, is, would be this one. I would say that we know this, that society is continually to grow hypersensitive. Hypersensitive. Like, can't say things because people have a meltdown, hypersensitive. And so the enemy calls this culture, the story of it and the narrative of it and the approval of hypersensitivity influences believers to praise our feelings. To also know, but I'm, I'm feeling this. And so our lives become centered around what I feel. And so that strategy, just, this is just one of many, but just, this is just an example. That strategy is to, is to elevate the praise of our feelings when really those feelings need to come under the submission to Christ as a believer. But the story and the narrative says, no, 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 no. God gave you those feelings. But here's the reality. Our emotions and our feelings as believers, we need to understand that what we feel, what we desire, all of those things, when you become a follower of Jesus, need to be submitted to Christ. And then that which, wow, I have this feeling because of this area of brokenness in my life. I have this area because of this insecurity in my life. I have this area because you know what stinking culture told me that, that this was okay. And I've been cultivating this for a long time. This is the reality. And this is the truth. And so we are, we are groomed by culture to praise our feelings. And so believers will be influenced by this idea that we should praise our feelings instead of crucifying our flesh because we're too busy praising and honoring our flesh. That's a good amen right there. And so what happens is we, we'll, we defend the very thing Scripture tells us to crucify. And here's the other crazy thing. We defend other people, other believers. We defend things that the Scripture tells them as believers to crucify. And the God of this age... The God of this age, the God that's cultivating culture wants our emotions to become our God. Wants our feelings to become our God. Now listen, I'm not dismissing emotions. I'm not saying we should be like robots. God gave us emotions. They were from him. He gave them to us so we could feel, we could love, we could, we could have joy, have peace. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do any of that. What I'm saying is our emotions and our feelings as believers, everybody say believers must be brought under submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's impossible. So if we have the sons of disobedience cultivating the culture of darkness for the purpose of changing the narrative, changing truth, we often forget we have the sons and daughters of obedience that God has called us to cultivate a culture that promotes 
the goodness and the righteousness and the purposes of God based on his word and based that we know this is life-giving. We know this is what God designed for humanity. And this all day long trumps this. But what this culture tells us is that we can't cultivate this culture. So if you are influenced by this culture of the enemy, it is impossible for you as a believer to cultivate the culture of our king while believing and living by some of the truths from the culture of the God of this age. That's why Paul clearly says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Yes, but I feel it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So believers are a part of the kingdom of God. And our job is to cultivate the kingdom culture. Our job is to cultivate it. You, I, this is my heart for this for you today, that you will leave here today understanding you have a responsibility. You have a role. You have an anointing. You have a calling. You have, you have the presence of God on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you. That we have a call of God to cultivate the kingdom culture of our king on the earth. And we do it through the gospel, through what God calls us to do, wherever your sphere of influence is. As now as the sons and, sons and God of, of obedience, with God's spirit in us, we are to cultivate his culture. Wherever we work. Listen, where you work, you are placed there by God to cultivate the culture of the kingdom of God. If you have a job where you go to different people's houses, wow, you have been entrusted by God to step foot on the property of the enemy and push back the powers of darkness by your very presence, but also by your mindset. I'm not here just to, just to do business. I'm here to do kingdom business. If God has called you into politics, your job is not the politic. Your job is to cultivate the culture of the kingdom of God. Your job is to do it cleverly. Your job is, but your job is to do it in a way that I am here to bring forth the kingdom of God because the spirit inside of this son of obedience is way bigger than the, than the one that's inside of the sons of disobedience. If God has called you to be a teacher, what an opportunity. You are in the midst of a dark, difficult place. And God said, ha, I entrust you to go right there. And when you walk in that school, you carry the power of the Holy Spirit. You carry the spirit of Christ. You, you carry the truth of what you know and what you believe. And you use every opportunity to cultivate the kingdom culture. You use every opportunity to walk in your power, in your authority. When you teach, you say, Lord, anoint my words today that as I speak, that it changes the atmosphere in this room, that children come in and, and demonic powers off their life fall, fall to the wayside. God, I'm here to cultivate your kingdom culture. Listen, we as, as believers have stepped back way too much. And we have actually, we have forgotten that our call is to carry the presence of the king in every aspect of what we do.
We've forgotten. We've been playing it safe. We've been surviving. We've been flying under the radar. And God says this, I want to set you on a hill so you can shine, you can be bright. Don't you put that under, under a bushel, you stick it up on a hill. That's where I'm gonna put you if you're willing to shine. This is what God is inviting us to, to cultivate the culture of the kingdom of God. If God's called you into law enforcement, if God's called you to be a construction worker, a barista, whatever it is, your sphere of influence is your mission from God to cultivate the culture of God's kingdom. That's your calling. And as you do that, as you look for opportunity to share the gospel, as you look for opportunity to pray for those around you, as you do it with the spirit of your king, which is in kindness and in love, but unmoving, wavering authority and truth. As you proclaim truth, even, even when it comes to our voting, as you vote close to the culture of God's kingdom as you possibly can, as you, you do it by getting on school boards and bringing forth the kingdom of God in the school. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? We can sit back and say, ain't it awful? Or we can sit back and say, God, give me a way to do something about that. It's the call of God to the people of God to proclamate the kingdom of God through sons and daughters of obedience. As we come together, as we worship God, we are doing this to be filled, to be strengthened, to cultivate the culture of God's kingdom in our midst. We're believing that God's gonna move. We're believing that God's gonna have his way. We're believing that God's going to heal, deliver, set free. We're believing that God's gonna do miracles. We're believing that what he does with us as people of the kingdom turns the world upside down. And they say, what the heck is going on with them? This is what God is calling us to do. This is how you keep in step with the spirit. First Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. One, it says he's like a lion, but be sober. In other words, don't forget that there is a culture that's wanting to rip the heart out of you and leave you ineffective, weak, living for yourselves, living with no purpose, surviving in this world, being silenced, being intimidated, being afraid of being canceled. And that's what a roaring lion does. He freaks you out. So be sober, hang on a second. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And no weapon formed against me, thank you, will prosper. I'm a kingdom man. I bring the kingdom. So how is it that we keep our kingdom mind correct? When, when Paul is writing to husbands and wives, he talks about how Jesus washes the mind of his church, of his bride. Because what you allow yourself to entertain, what you allow yourself to be influenced by, what you listen to, you watch, you watch, listen. The amount of young people who've been led astray, and, and the reason why I say this, just because I'm aware of much of it, of their sexuality, is not, is really not because of some something even in their lives, it's because they've been convinced through social media 
They've been, listen, listen, it's a cultivating. It's a, it's a seed planted. It's watered. It's a, it's a shift. It's a change. It's a, oh, it's seen differently. And the enemy waters it. It grows. And then the harvest, then the deception. And they've been influenced by the culture of the sons of disobedience who are at work for the God of the sage. So how do, we, how do we wash our minds? Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. Now, so when you are saved, so when you are saved, you are justified. So you put your faith in Christ, boom. You're, God looks at you and go, holy, righteous. I know it blows our minds, but that's just the truth. Get over it. You're holy and righteous in the eyes of God. But I don't feel, it doesn't matter, you are, okay? But there is a process of sanctification that we need to be aware of as a church. You need to be aware of for your family that you are being sanctified, being. So how does, in other words, getting all the stuff out of your brain that shouldn't be there. If I was to say, hey, um, everybody in this room, did you do anything this week? You go, man, I wish you wouldn't have done that. We'd all raise our hands. What is that? Well, it's awareness. We still got, to, got some sanctification to go, right? We're still on process. So Christ of the church gave himself that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with what? The word. So if I was the culture of the enemy, you know what I'd do? I'd start changing the word, just like I changed the definition of gender with the Oxford and the Webster Dictionary. That's what I would do. Listen, you don't have to be super spiritual to actually see what the enemy is doing. Just ask this question. Hey, if I was the devil, what would I do? Mm, I'd do that. That's probably what's happening then. If I wanted to deceive believers and render them useless, where they just want to survive in life and just get by in life and hide in life and never be, no one ever say anything bad about them. If, you know, what I would do, I'd change the story because story is what shapes culture. I'd change the narrative. And so I'd start out, that actually doesn't mean that. Matter of fact, there is a, there is a, a, a documentary coming out. I cannot remember the name of it right now. It's 19 something. It's a documentary that goes through this whole documentary. And, and again, just because this is, I, I see it often. It, <clears throat> it's not the only sin there is, okay? So anyway, this, this whole documentary that's proving that the scriptures that we have now regarding the area of sexuality, specifically homosexuality, actually wasn't added until like 1956 or something like that. It's a whole documentary. I wonder why they're doing that. They're changing the story. Stories shift culture. Culture influences people. Friends, be sober-minded, be watchful, be vigilant, and walk in your authority. So this idea of sanctification comes through the word. And the God of this age uses culture to shame, condemn, cast doubt on what the word says, that's best for humanity. But as believers, we must understand what is best for people who don't know God is first, repent, put your faith in Christ, be forgiven. Step one. Then as a believer and follower of Jesus, we use the word that helps us to keep in step with the spirit. What does the word say? I'll step there. What does the word say? I'll believe that. What does the word say? That's the direction I'm going to go. And the culture of the God of this age wants to influence our steps, but the word is how God washes our minds, sanctifies us, continues to allow us to walk in step with the spirit. I'll close with this. I saw an interview with one of the most recognized churches in the world. <clears throat> and, and listen, this, the, the culture of the God of the Sage is influencing churches and pastors. And, this, I, and it's subtle, it's subtle, subtle, little, it's little. 
until it produces something. But here's, he was interviewed and he said this, uh, someone asked him, what is your church's stance on homosexuality? And he responded, this is his first sentence. As a pastor, unfortunately, my job is to represent the scriptures. When does the Bible become unfortunate? So it's, it's subtle, it's subtle. Sounds loving, sounds, you know, I, unfortunately. And again, friends, it doesn't, sexual perversion, lying, gossip, like greed, it, it, it's, it's all the same. So if they would ask, what's your church's stance on, on greed? Well, unfortunately, I represent the Bible and the, and the Bible says greed is a sin. It doesn't matter what, what you want to put there. So Paul describes the culture of the God of this age that's trying to influence in our steps. But then he also describes what our calling is. And I'm going to read this and then we're, we, we will actually close after I read this. <clears throat> there was this, there was this, this son who he, he came to church with his dad. This is a side note. Joke with Jason. Okay, so there's a side note. He's sitting in church and, uh, <clears throat> and the son, or the pastor takes off his watch. He puts it on the pulpit and um, dad goes, or so the kid goes, dad, what does it mean when the pastor puts his watch on the pulpit? He goes, nothing. <laughs> second, <laughs> second Timothy 3. Paul writes, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulties for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning. Now look, look at this. They, these people are always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of truth. In other words, truth always changes just as Janus and Jambres. Now that's an interesting thing. This is the only place in scripture where those two names are mentioned. But Paul's referencing something that happened back in Exodus, but it's not in Exodus. It's interesting. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all as was that of those two men. You, however, everybody say me, however, me. believers, these are believers. You, however, have, fo have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness my persecutions and sufferings. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, everybody say, as for me, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. In other words, you have been in the word. You know what the word says, which are able to keep you wise for salvation from faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, say all scripture, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the world we live in. Now, Jonathan Jambres, this is what was going on. And the worship team can, can come on up. We were gonna take communion today, but we're gonna do that next Sunday, so just so you're aware. 
But Jonathan and, and Jambres, as you look into more ancient writings, many believe they were the two magicians that when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh, that they were kind of, they were interacting with, you know, they throw in a staff and a snake and, and then they, you know, Aaron threw down a staff, his, you know, his snake ate their snake. It, it, so that, that was the two people, but they were, there was, they were cultivated by an Egyptian culture, these two. But what's interesting is that Janus and Jambres, by ancient writings, came out of Egypt with the children of Israel. And they were the influential voice to Aaron when they decided to build a golden calf and worship at the base of Mount Sinai. So you have people who are influenced, cultivators of an ungodly culture in the midst of God's people, influencing God's people to worship or to believe or to act in things that are contrary to God. Again, this is just a reminder that there is the God of this age. But we are not at the mercy of the God of this age. We're not at the mercy. We're not to be silent. We're not to be quiet. We're not to be timid. We're not to be folks who just back up and go, mm, I don't want to offend anybody. Listen, if the gospel of Jesus Christ offends people, it's not you who are offending. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, friends, when we share Christ with people, and we're, I'm afraid to, they're going to get offended with me. What we're saying is I am ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want, to, I, I, I don't want people to get mad at me. Because I believe in Jesus and I believe that God wants to save their life because he loves them and he cares for them and he has a plan for them. But God has called us to be bold, to be bold as lions. God's called us as, as 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal, not through the clouds in the sky and the voices from heaven, that he does it, he's making his appeal to a lost, dying, hurting world through us. Through us. And an ambassador of the kingdom. No matter what country you're in, if you're an ambassador, if you're, in, if you're at the embassy, then you actually aren't in that country. You are in the country of your origin. So when you are ambassadors, since you carry the presence of God inside of you, you are an embassy that walks around, that you are in the world, not of the world. Your job is to bring forth the culture of the kingdom of God as an ambassador wherever you are. And you do it through what you you do, what you say, what you believe, your authority, your prayer, you do it by as you step into a place, it belongs to God because you're there. And so God has called us. So what is it that we as ambassadors proclaim? 2 Corinthians 5.20. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that him we might become the righteousness of God. It's the greatest message the world has ever known. And God's entrusted that to us. And we can carry that out. We can carry it out through what we do understanding our place, our role, our authority, our, the kingdom that God's put us a part of. And friends, it does require words at times. We love the saying, preach the gospel constantly, and if necessary, use words. But it's like saying, feed the, feed the hungry all the time, and if necessary, use food. It's the only thing that can save them. And God's put the people in your life to create an atmosphere of the righteousness, the spirit of God, his presence flowing in you and through you so that the right moment you can say, hey, the, the God who saved me wants to save you.
And he loves you. And that's why I love you. I'm just the beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. But friends, every morning you should wake up and understand I'm on mission to bring forth the culture of God's kingdom wherever I am. That's what God's called us to do and to be. Let's stand. I want to close. <laughs> I said it again. I want to close. <clears throat> Listen, I had to get it all in. I had to get it all in there. I, <clears throat> I, I want to close just by ask us asking the Holy Spirit right now, if you can, just for a moment. To reveal what areas of your belief, conclusions, have you been groomed and cultivated by the culture of the God of this age to the sons of disobedience? And whatever it is, I, I'm telling you, every one of us here, <laughs> every one of us has been influenced, has been cultivated in some way. Maybe it's how you raise your family. Maybe it's how you're afraid to speak truth according to scriptures. Maybe it's you've been cultivated to be angry and defensive like the culture of the God of the sage. And you're supposed to be actually speak truth, but do it in love and graciousness. But you're to do it. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a, it's a belief about Maybe it's a belief about the value of life. Maybe it's a belief about sexuality. Maybe it's a belief about what the church should be. Maybe it's a belief about what the role of a wife should be or a role of a husband should be. Or maybe it's a belief about whether your children should obey you or not. Or maybe as a child, you, you've picked up the belief of, of rebellion and Maybe you've been impacted by the story, the narrative that has led you to a belief that's a lie. So Lord, right now, we just ask you to cleanse us, all of us, God, all of us. Lord, cleanse us, cleanse our minds, that we would be sanctified, you'd wash our minds with your word right now. That Lord, we just ask you to just restore, God, that which been, has been lost because of a wrong belief. God, I, right now I rebuke the spirit of the fear of man in Jesus' name. The spirit of the fear of man that some of you are dealing with right now. Yes, but I, if I believe this, then, I, then this person's going to not like me, but this is not going to happen. But then I'm not gonna have to, I'm gonna have to be around new friends I'm not, because I, 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 I believe. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of fear and intimidation off of your people in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Bring the spirit of the, of the spirit of the lion from the tribe of Judah to be in our midst right now. Fill our hearts with the courage that we see as the disciples preached, as the disciples proclaimed, as the disciples lived their lives. Give us the courage, God, of the women in the scriptures who stood strong when, when no one else had. Give us the courage of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. When everyone else bowed, they stood. Give us the courage, God, fresh and new, that you would use us to be a part of a revival that moves through our city, that moves through this nation, that moves through our families. The God we surrendered today, totally absolute submission to the kingdom of God to your culture in our lives. Lord, today I also pray that as we leave here, that we would leave with an understanding that I am a ambassador of the kingdom of God. I represent you. I represent your heart. I represent your fruit. I represent your, your truth. And that Lord, I would never be ashamed 
that you give me wisdom, you give us wisdom, you'd give us understanding, you'd open our spiritual eyes, you'd release the gift of the Spirit within us, that we wouldn't be afraid to pray for those who were sick, we wouldn't be afraid to, to believe for those who need provision, we wouldn't be afraid to take risk out of faith, that God, we would walk in confidence and boldness, that your kingdom isn't somewhere, it's in our midst, it's in us. And may we leave here today with full confidence. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Come on.